RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. A little bit less. Hey, uh, let's say hello to our friends in chat. We definitely want to get through uh, pretty quickly here so we can bring on Noah and talk about the show. Uh, there's Chris, there's Paul, there's Rhonda, there's Jay, uh, there's Jason, there's Mark. Uh, let's see here. There's other Paul. Oh, thank goodness. We got two Pauls. Just one more to go. I'll feel really good about tonight's show. There's Danny. Uh, Danny says 23 weeks of new Trek episodes are over. What will we do in the off season? It's a good question, Danny. Send us your ideas because we have to find things to talk about. No, we'll, we'll definitely be back. We have some shows lined up already and I uh, can't wait to get back when there's more new Trek on the air a little later in the year. And then uh, there's Narda and there's Dave, uh, probably other Dave in there too. Scott Palm, how are you, Scott? Good to see you. So uh, welcome, everybody. Alan, Jay, again, uh, pleasure to see you all. Thanks for joining us. And I can't wait to get to our conversation tonight. If you have questions or comments about the show, call in. If you got questions for Noah, call in. Um, word is, he is a Star Trek fan. So I think we'll be talking about that in tonight's show. Hey, hey, speaking coming- of, hey, yeah, speaking yeah. of other Star Trek fans, I have a very special shout out. Oh, please. Hi, Grandpa. Uh, grandpa's <laughs> my, so watching. My, my grandfather has been watching and uh, he doesn't go into the chat. So, hi, Grandpa. Thanks for watching. Okay. Is he a Star Trek on. fan? Is your grandpa a Star Trek yeah, fan? Yeah, my whole family He's... are Star Trek fans. That's How do you so think cool. I got here? I, well, I didn't think it had anything to do with Star Trek. I mean, you know, uh, you got here because you got here. <laughs> you <know? laughs> my whole family are Star Trek fans. So That's awesome. Hey, uh, next week on Mission Log Live, Norman is back. So he and Holly will be here to talk uh, to you, uh, continuing the conversation about season three of Discovery and maybe look ahead a little bit, hopes for season four. And they will also have a special guest, Julianne Grossman, she is the voice of the Discovery computer. Uh, don't do like me and uh, and ask for her to record your outgoing voicemail. Um, that's just not cool to do that. So please don't do what I do. And uh, yeah, so come in next Monday for that and uh, chat with Holly and Norman and Julianne and talk more about disco and then more, more stuff coming up after that. And then uh, Thursday, what am I doing on Mission Log, Holly? Because I can never remember. What are you, you're, you're going to talk about in the cards, right? In the cards, DS9. You're, at, you're in yeah. Deep Space Nine. We are getting very, ever so close to the end of season five. So uh, in the cards this Thursday. And uh, by the way, if you haven't done it yet, we mentioned it last week, all new show at Roddenberry, Sci-Fi 5, five minutes daily, science fiction history, five days a week. It's so cool. I'm learning so much from that show, uh, from the topics you do know to the topics you don't know. And by the way, uh, one of the hosts and writers on that show, our very own Earl Green. So, Chris, Chris, I see you're saying let Earl Dove Tonsils Green speak on air. Hey, Chris, you just have to go pick up Percy on Sci-Fi 5, okay? Not, not, maybe not here. Maybe maybe once in a while. The Sci-Fi 5 is his domain, Okay. Uh, Holly, tell us about the poll tonight, and then I will get to the recap. <laughs> uh, last week, we asked, if, would you guys eat that apple? 120 people voted. 82% of you said yes, so I guess 82% of you don't want to starve because that's all that's mm-hmm. available up there, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 18% of you said no. Uh, this week, we're just asking what you thought of the finale of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Uh, so far, we have... I didn't even put how many votes we have. How many votes do we have? I don't know. 55. So many. All right. 55. Uh, 46% of you said loved it. 24% of you said you liked it. 22% are meh. And 9% of you said that you didn't like it. Yeah, hey, you know, there's plenty to talk about this week then and next week. I'm sure that many more opinions will come in. Well, hey, let's not keep our guests waiting. Let me get into the recap. Uh, I promise I'll make it quick and fun, and then we'll talk Trek. Okay, here we go. So that hope is you, part deux. As the holo simulations on the Kiev fail, Sukal is still having a tough time adjusting. Culber and Saru are joined by Adira and... 
Gray? Wow, uh, that, that's a cool hollow trick. So they'll all have to convince Sukal to face his fears and, you know, all stay alive in the meantime until they can be rescued. Back on Disco, Osira is fighting her way out of Federation HQ while Captain Tilly leads her team to fight their way into taking control of the ship. They have the help of the dot robots inhabited by the ancient wisdom of the sphere and a clever plan to just get shot and blow up a bunch of them as a distraction. It's working until Osira cuts off life support. So that'll make things more difficult. After the Navarre have arrived at Burnham's request, Burnham pleads with fans to let them go before a bioweapon can be launched by Osira. Okay, so what now? Osira enlists Aurelio to torture Book and get the location of the dilithium planet. He's not into it, but Zare obliges. It's ugly, but Burnham turns the tables and gets them out of there. They need to get Disco's computer core to do a reset, and Burnham manages to get a message to Tilly that her mission is to stop the ship by essentially setting a bomb in a nacelle to take them out of war. With oxygen running out, it'll be a suicide mission. But it all will stop Osire from getting reinforcements that will take down the Federation. Then it's shooty-shooty, fighty-fighty, and at long last, books in Zare down a turbolift uh, shaft. Are, are we calling it that? Is that what it is? All right. Burnham has made her way to the computer core to reboot all systems and regain control of the ship, but of course Osira is there and puts up a fight. Before you can say Superman 3, Burnham is shoved into a pile of programmable matter, but she shoots her way out, killing Osira and rebooting Disco. Oh, and life support is turned back on, so all good. But not all good. Disco is now stuck inside the Viridian, which was Osira's last-ditch effort to keep it for herself. What to do? How about blasting your way out with a big explosion? Tilly hands over command to Burnham, who gives the order to take the warp core and drop it like it's hot. Risky, but it works. And it works because Book was able to step in for Stamets and activate the spore drive, taking them to safety at the last second. Checking in with Saru, he not only had to make a breakthrough with Sukal, he had to get this poor soul to confront his biggest fear, which turns out to be the trauma of losing his mother all those years ago. It helps to talk Kelpian to Kelpian, even as the ship around them is tearing itself apart, threatening all their lives. Sakal faces that fear, though, in an old recording of his mother's dying moment, the trauma of which caused Sukal to set off the burn. As a holo simulation ends around them, Discovery jumps back just in time to beam up the crew who were left behind, then it's on to Federation headquarters. Things are changing. Quickly, the galaxy is smaller now with ships from all over able to bring their envoys to rejoin the trailer back. Others will follow. As for our crew, there are some changes. Sukal needs a lot of help being acclimated to the real world. Saru will be with him, be his mentor on Kaminar. That leaves a command gap on Discovery, one that both Saru and Admiral Vance feel should be filled by Michael Burnham. New captain, new uniforms, new catchphrase, and gelato on the menu. Let's head to season four. Yay! That's it. That's yeah, it. Remember when you told me earlier today that you were going to try to keep that short? Yeah, I didn't keep it very <laughs> short, did I? <laughs> I was thinking, like, you could do the whole thing in a paragraph. Uh, uh, disco and there's no. shooting. And we're wrapping up lift. an entire season, man. Yeah, I know. It was, it, it was I didn't wild. say anything. I was like, we'll see if you can do that. Yeah, you know, it was, it was fun. <laughs> um, hey, let's welcome our guest because he has been so patient standing by and never going to get to our first caller. So, um, here he is. Welcome to the show, Noah. Noah, Afterback Cats. How are you? I am doing so good. Thank you guys so much for happy, uh, having me. You know, I love Janet Kidder. She's a fantastic actress. But I must say I was, you know, uh, doing my own little happy dance when Osiris got blasted <laughs> right between the eyes. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that, that's kind of the obvious question right off the bat, though. Is And we can get into your fandom uh, that you grew up with. But, like, right now... 
you are a Star Trek fan, but you were also intimately involved in the show. You were intimately involved in the show. Uh, were you able to keep a little bit of separation there, like suspend the disbelief and just enjoy the story? Or were you constantly like, oh, that's uh, that that's Mary. I, I know she does that. That's a way I was there. I know where that set wall ends. Well, on all the episodes that I wasn't in, I made the decision not to read the scripts because obviously I have access to them. And it just makes mm-hmm. watching them really feel like you're inside of them and you're excited by them. And I don't know what I literally didn't know how the season was going to end. So I was kind of like watching it purely as a fan. I will say like when I was working on the show, I was really worried coming in. I was going to be like, man, like, uh, you know, I'm just going to have to work so hard to like make myself believe that I'm doing this thing, even though I'm going to be like geeking out and whatever. And my second day of shooting, they were basically like, all right, so you need to like run up this gravel hill, make sure these 30 extras climb over, then do like a 20 foot leap down. And then if you get too close to this location, there's going to be a huge fireball and you can't get too close or it'll melt the plastic to your face. Then run that direction for about 30 meters. Take a hard left because there's another explosion. And again, if you get Uh, too close, it's going to melt that to your face. And then once you get there, tackle David Ajala, who's basically a football player. Uh, And that's it. So, (laughs) uh, you know, early on, I was like, you know, I don't need to. All I need to do is just like not get blown up, you know, and just focus on that. And from that point on, it was like, I don't really need to worry about uh, whether or not I'm I'm believing it or not. Because if I make a wrong step, I'm literally just going to that's going to be the end of my Star Trek career before it even started. I, I mean, that's a, like watching the sausage get made a, as you were. I mean, that that really it created like a whole new layer of separation, obviously, because your focus is just like on the mechanics of getting through this. And then some months later being able to watch it, it must be kind of pleasant to be able to uh, just sit back and enjoy a story then. <laughs> yeah, you, you know? know, I really get, I you know, uh, uh, Pun intended. I get the best of both worlds on this one. I get to be the fan, and uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I get to, you know, be the fan and walk the corridors of discovery and take a left, and suddenly I'm in the transporter room, and I don't know how I got there. And then I also <laughs> kind of get to you know watch Jonathan Frake sort of work his man- magic and how he sort of makes an episode happen, how he rallies the crew and cast behind him. So it really just is everything that I could have possibly. Uh, hope for and dream for, you know? A lot of singing. A lot of singing from Frakes. <laughs> of songs that I think he's making up. You know, they are not real show tunes. Nobody knows them. I feel like he's opening a grave somewhere and like prying the sheet music out of somebody's hand <laughs> and like learning it. Because I've never heard these songs before. Uh, and they're terrible. <laughs> he sings them beautifully, but the songs are bad. That that's really that's really dark. Uh, it, so it's not just a creative soul. He is actually a grave robbing show tune singer. That's, I don't think uh, that's going to surprise any of the audience here. No. Okay. Okay. Does, <laughs> did, um, did you notice it? Uh, how many directors did you work with? Uh, did you notice that Frakes? Uh, does he have the home field advantage? Because oh of, yeah, uh, you know I experience. I've only I only worked with two because uh, Jonathan directed two of my episodes which was you know amazing so so lucky um and but i've got to be on set you know obviously like before i was you know on the other side of the camera i would take every opportunity that i can to just like be on set and just like sit there you know kind of living a fan's dream and just like watching it and being around and touching stuff and seeing if there's anything i can steal Um, (laughs) it definitely there is there is just a certain uh confidence or you know just authority that he has on the set which isn't to say anything of any of the other amazing directors that other people have worked with and that i got you know the other director doug who i got to work with was amazing he's Mm -hmm. done multiple episodes you know just like so great but i just think that even the directors who are watching him direct when he's on the when he's in the bridge or when he's you know on on like the main floor of discovery when he's walking the hallways you know it's just like there's another level of like this is his house and everybody is just sort of like secretly like watching him in the background you know so so it's just kind of another level of just like you know this is this is so his house 
That's awesome. By the way, I in the chat here, I'm so stealing this. Uh, Dean says rebooting disco should now be referred to as the Bee Gees maneuver. <laughs> I, it, it's canon. It's canon, Dean. I, I say it is. I'll get Rod on the phone. We'll make sure it gets into a script somehow. I love it. Um, so uh, I, I, I do want to keep talking about your fandom and your experience on set and all of that. Let's go ahead and bring on our first caller tonight, Chris, uh, who I'm, I'm sure you have many thoughts about uh, this week's finale of Disco Season 3. Chris, how are you doing tonight, sir? Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing good. Good to see you both. Good to meet you, Noah, as much as one can meet one. Over Zoom, um, I will say Rin is in the great tradition of, you know, if Disco does one thing right, they do supporting characters right, as we've seen with the bridge crew. And I'm, I'm glad that Rin got, he had a, a very nice arc. Um, so props to you, props to the writers. Great to have you here to be part of that sort of team of supporting cast. I'm now going to immediately make you angry and say <laughs> that Osira should have lived. <laughs> oh, Wow. Wow. Get him off I, the air. Cut his mic. Get him <laughs> off the air. I did feel like she died a little bit too easily. Yeah. I mean, not not even that, but like I she her her and the whole chain, I was like, oh, this is interesting. We could have like sort of the ideological like exploring and like what does it mean to be in the chain and how do you how do those like reconcile? And obviously Janet Kidder is a wonderful actress. Uh but yeah, I was like, oh nope, she's she's gone. So yeah, that was I was, I was oh, little... there she go. Aww. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people actually already saying, and, and rightfully so, I had hoped that Ren would live. Yes. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, that. I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> yes. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm neutral too. I wish, I do wish Ren had lived because I don't think we saw enough of him. If, if Ren had lived, then Osira can live. I think actually like his death is sort of this turning point in the character where they have this negotiation and you kind mm-hmm. of are seeing both sides and you're wondering if Vance is kind of being unreasonable with his demand of prosecuting her. And then she sort of like takes out her anger on this, this guy, you know, who had stood up to her. And I feel like that's sort of the turning point where, uh, you know, me as a fan, totally unbiased, you know, really, really neutral view of this situation. It's like freaking blaster in the face, man. Oh my God. <laughs> well, and, and we needed that moment with uh, with Aurelio. I mean, not, not that he would not have gotten there, but, you know, we needed to see this progression where he's uh, getting disillusioned with uh, with Osiris. So, Which, that, I mean, Kenneth that. did a really good job of, mm-hmm. of showing that disillusionment in only two episodes. Yeah, he, he did a fantastic job at that. So, yeah. good for him. We love Ken. Yay! Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, what else, Chris? Uh, impressions, thoughts about this week's episode? Uh, I mean, I liked it. I, I I liked most of the beats. Um, I will say, and we talked about this last week. It felt a little rushed to me. I I would have liked another episode or even maybe another thirty minutes tacked onto this one. But I didn't disagree with any of the stuff that we, like, we got to where I thought was a good place. I just would have liked a little bit more breathing room. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we did talk last week about there are so many yeah. things that they have to tie up. And it was over an hour long. I Because ch- I, I had said, like, they don't have to adhere to, like, that exact 45 minutes or whatever it was when it was on network television. They can go over a little bit. So I think it was, like, 105. But, uh, yeah, I did feel like it was a little rushed. And there was also things that, that they didn't like the cat was nothing sometimes the cat is just a cat i guess but i was like but i wanted her to be something but i guess like the important things are holly, up, holly right? she is something she's, she's a queen, queen. she's a queen she's not not a literal queen but i wanted she's... her to be like i wanted her to be like like magic a, alien from gary like odo or something that, i wanted her wanted. to be a shapeshifter yeah. <laughs> You, you wanted to be, her to be ISIS from Assignment Earth. I, I get that, it. And look, I'm totally on board with that. I that, mean, yeah. that's not to say that, that that's not a possibility in the future. It's just not something that they wrapped up with her character this time that, around. Because That cat is such a diva. I would be very, very <laughs> wary of giving that cat any more to do. Even, a, even yeah. as a, a humanoid character, man. It yeah, would just go straight just... to her head. <laughs> Never work with kids and animals. That's what they say. So, especially yeah. not grudge. Especially yeah. at the top of that list. 
Right. Somebody did mention, like, how do you, like, books, costumes are always black. Uh, and the fact that there's just no cat hair all over him all the time. <laughs> That's uh, an excellent point. Yeah. I had not even, well, it's yeah. the future. You think a thousand years from now, they would be able to figure out how to not have cat hair all over black clothes. One would hope. One would hope. By the way, there's a very important question here. I think David in our chat speaks for a lot of people when he addresses this to Noah. And he says, so, see, Platon and Dorian and your character died. So what's next, Vorta or Ferengi? Oh, yeah. You know Mm -hmm. what? I would love to play a Ferengi, but I would have to play two Ferengi stacked on top of each other because I'm (laughs) 6'3". So, like, unless something really has happened to the Ferengi, you know, 950 years in the future, I just don't really... uh, in the yeah. future, I yeah. think the Vorta could be around. You know, I I think that uh, yeah, there's definitely some footsteps in which I could follow if it if it all goes according to plan. I'm only four foot ten, so I could be a friend. <laughs> you could, you could I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. I, but you know what? I, I mean, certainly, uh, like by having Ken on the show, it, you know, it, it is a Star Trek tradition of bringing back actors who who have talent and presence and something to contribute. And and just continuing from a production point makes great sense. Work with people that you like to work with. So I mean, um, you're just listing all the reasons why I'll never be back on Star Trek. <laughs> I, I've you know, look, I, I think most of us have heard that you're probably a terror. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm deflecting yeah. onto Grudge to to sort of mask my sure. own bad behavior. Grudge stole all those props. Uh, <laughs> Grudge took all the behind the scenes pictures. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, I, I would imagine that, that there would be some uh, temptation. Now, I won't hold you to it, but I will ask you if you just took a good long look at everything that was manufactured for those sets. Oh, y- yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's uh, <laughs> the, yeah. I, I, I've, I've really knocked on every wall. See, see if there's any like secret compartments. Seeing stuff where I could, you know, move something, and then oh my god, I found it there later on. You know, there's uh yeah, it's it's there's I mean these the sets are really are just like kind of mind blowing how huge they are and how detailed they are. So it's just more room to wander around. You know, I'll, I'm constantly wandering into places and sets that I'm definitely not supposed to be, but there's nobody there. So who's going to stop me? You know what I mean? Right. Right. Hey, I I do have a question for you about um, kind of when you came to the show, because you you mentioned that you had not read the scripts for the episodes that you were not in. And I I totally get that. You want to be surprised and just enjoy the story. Um, And that's one of, you know, you're on Three episodes or four? Yeah, that three. 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 Yeah. So then you, you have like a luxury of a little bit of separation there. So you, you can do that. When you took on this role, did you already know what was to happen to Ren by the third episode? Did you know the arc at all? Well, I didn't. I didn't know at all. And I made a conscious decision not to really ask about it because I knew Star Trek so well and I knew he was going to die. I just like I I knew it in my heart and I would talk to friends and be like, look, like I'm in this episode, but it's coming. You know, it's like, and no, 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 you know, and I just I knew it. And so I made the decision not to ask about it because I knew that if I found out, I would be so disappointed that my my literal acting would suffer. It would just like I would be so much worse at my actual job. Uh, and I'm glad I did that because the episode in which I die, the third one is the one I have like the least amount of memories from because I was mm. so sort of like trying to just focus on like do my job. Um, right. But I also knew that I was going to die because uh, this cat grudge was 20 spots higher than me on the call sheet. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to live, I would be higher than this freaking cat. But right. he's like, he's probably making like double my daily rate. You sure. Know, I'm out of here. You know, sure, I don't, I don't sure. see the chance. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you sound, it sounds like a, like you and I are a little bit the same. When I started working for the Star Trek band at CBS, I was like, I don't want to know anything. And when Discovery premiered, 
premiered. I actually, I actually worked on the first season. I did research for them and I was researching some stuff and it appeared later in an episode. And I was like, I went to my boss and I was like, is that what I was researching? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, thank you for not telling me. <laughs> it, it spoils, you know, it's, I, I, I would have Mary early on, like, tell me what would happen in the first season. And it just sort of like spoils the sort of excitement in a way that like isn't very fun, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I also yeah. think like a lot of the time when you're reading a script, like you have your mind picture of it and then you're spending the whole time being like, oh, like why didn't they keep this? Why did they cut this? You know, mm-hmm. I wish they would have done this as opposed to just watching it when you don't have sort of any preconceived ideas. You're just like, this is awesome. I love this. I have no idea what I'm missing out on. So like more of this, please. Yeah. Right. right. Hey, Chris, uh, any other uh, thoughts or comments or are questions? You sad? Are Let's you see. sad about the robot friends? Yeah. I, I, I am friends. a little sad. Um, <laughs> I feel that like if we had, had, if we had more time with the robot friends earlier in the season, like I feel like that would have hit more. Like, obviously I will always, always mourn the robot friends but like if we had had you know spend time with them other than two minutes at the end of 12 i think uh but no that was sad my other question and i may have just hallucinated this so feel free to correct me um so at the end they all get their new uniform that has right. a stripe right. was tilly's stripe blue and so, so they they talked about that actually so tilly's stripe was originally red what she's wearing is actually red, and they digitally altered it to be blue. Um, so she's sciences division. She's a theoretical physicist, though. So I'm I'm not really clear on how they or why they decided to put her into the sciences because I think she should be in engineering. But um, yeah, it it yes, she was wearing blue, but phys- physically she was wearing red, and they changed it in post production. Interesting. Hmm. Because then Culber also had a white stripe. It's like you get to keep your white stripe, even though you're you should be blue if we're playing by like TNG rules. But whatever, it's yeah. Fine. I, which I, I still <laughs> dig that though. I mean, I, I want that white medical uniform, something fierce, because it reminds oh, no, yeah. me yeah. of the 1979 Buck Rogers uh, uniforms. So I one or the other, I, I need one. And uh, now I cannot be allowed to eat if I'm wearing it uh, because I will ruin it. But I love those uniforms. I'm glad they brought back that uh, that white stripe on uh, Culver. So that, much that blood. Cool. So much blood. So much everywhere. blood, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do feel, Chris, I, I'm kind of like you, you know. Um, I, I will say, like, season three for me overall, it was so good. And I was so into it and the, the character arcs that we did get to explore. But I felt like the end was a rush to to get to where we did. And our robot friends, which, by the way, the, this does not, uh, even though we saw a bunch of them die, it doesn't let Eagle Moss off the hook from making them, uh, Ben Robinson, if you're listening. Uh, but I felt like it was a bit of a waste because there's this really interesting idea with that spear data, the, the collected knowledge of tens of thousands of years of exploration you know, boiled down into what these little robots can do. And as part of the discovery computer, I felt like there's, there, there had to have been more that could have been done with them as opposed to like playing decoy, you know, like here, go out here and get shot. Uh, and nice to see the one pull Owo out of danger at the yeah, end. Yeah, Owo saves the day! Yeah, I mean, that was super cool. We all love Owo. Uh, but I just, I, I wanted more out of them because I, I thought they were so cool. And it was such an interesting premise to have this alien knowledge in them. But well, Alien knowledge still exists. And I think that that was like, I was like, oh, I'm a little bit sad they're getting shot up and killed. But I mean, well, yeah, that, yeah. that knowledge is still there and they can build more of those dot twenty three. So, yeah. Well, I mean, think of how like heartfelt and how uh, it, it just how compelling a story it was in Calypso where, oh, this this intelligence has grown. This intelligence yeah. actually has uh, uh, a level of intimacy with the humans on board or human one in that case but now it's like oh wait that can be in something else too so yeah i i wanted more fingers crossed for season four 
Uh, I am glad that we got to see Sahil, though. I thought that that was yes. a really nice bookend because we only saw him in the first episode. And then I was like, what so happened to him? So happy to see I, him. That was, yeah. I think that was the only part where I got a little bit misty. I'm so glad mm-hmm. that he's a commissioned officer. How long was he getting up every day doing the same thing over and over again? I mean, good for him. I, mean, I know, I, right? I, I, we probably will not see him again if I yeah. know Star Trek as well as I do. <laughs> But I'm very glad that we got to see him become a commissioned officer. That's lovely. But but how cool would it be if we did? Like, I mean, th- this is a great opportunity for a show like Discovery where you're writing a lot ahead of time and you get this feedback from uh, fans everywhere saying, oh, wow, Sahil was really good. And people really like Vance and people were like God, I intrigued, love intrigued by uh, Cronenberg. I'm still pulling for President Cronenberg. I think that is that absolutely has to happen. Um, <laughs> but but how cool then that you could go into a season four and go like, oh, maybe Sahil is somebody who could be in a few episodes or, you know, the resurrected twin brother, brother of Ren that we never got to meet the first time around. Oh, well, like, hopefully he has antenna. Hopefully so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, Chris, thank you so much for calling in tonight. Uh, we're going to do our uh, break, and then we've got another caller standing by, and we'll talk more here with Noah. So um, unless you got any uh, parting shots for us, we'll say goodbye, okay? Uh, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll, obviously I'll be back next week with Norm to wrap up. But yeah, it's great. been a great, you know, 10, 13 weeks here. Great meeting you, Noah. Again, uh, you did a wonderful job. And yeah, I will, I will cede the floor here. Thanks, Chris. Awesome. Chris, take care, man. All right, will do. All right, folks. So uh, you undoubtedly, because we talk about it every week, you are familiar with all the various collections of model starships like those gleaned from every corner of the Star Trek universe by Eagle Moss, Hero Collector. They may not be as familiar, though, with the wide and ever-expanding variety of officially authorized special edition books published by Eagle Moss and available online at the Eagle Moss shop. And to pay a visit to the exclusive Star Trek bookshop at herocollector.com slash books, we'll discover a range of definitive visual guides that go as deep into Star Trek history and canon as any books ever published, each extensively researched and developed by Eagle Moss Hero Collector under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. Books from the Star Trek Shipyard series present a timeline of almost every ship that has ever appeared in the Star Trek TV shows and movies from the original series forward to Discovery and backwards to Enterprise. Some of these volumes are dedicated exclusively to Starfleet ships, while others focus on ships from other members of the Federation, including the Vulcans, Andorians, Tellarites, and Bajorans. Books in the Designing Starship series boldly go where few have gone before, deep behind the scenes into the conception, development, and details of ships from every era. There are even volumes from the comprehensive official Star Trek graphic novel collection. All right, Holly. So as I do every week, I'm pulling from the the big book of Voyager. Voyager. Okay, and uh, yeah, just because I'm I'm maybe uh, feeling a little salty and uh, just being a bit of a provocateur, I decided to open up to the chapter on. The TurboLift Network on the uh, USS Voyager. And uh, there's a rendering of a TurboLift there and the door. And and maybe you can see down here at the bottom, there's the whole network. It's one, two, three, four, five, like seven red lines that go through the USS Voyager. That's, that's, That's the entirety. Now, what it doesn't show you, though, is that those seven lines are actually the size of all of downtown Los Angeles. That is how big that space is. It's a TARDIS! It is a TARDIS. That is how big that is. So uh, you can read about all of that in that book. Uh, But take my word for it. There is something for every Star Trek fan of every generation. Plus, especially for friends of Mission Log Live, use our code MISSION10 at checkout and receive 10% off all books and graphic novels. So to browse around that shop, go to herocollector.com slash books and use the promo code MISSION10 at checkout for your 10% discount. All right. Hey, uh, before we get to our next caller, because we got a couple of people standing by, uh, Noah, I I want you to give us the, I I think a lot of people know, but maybe not everybody, I I want the capsule version of Noah's fandom because I found it so charming and awesome and infinitely relatable when you posted those pictures when you posted like a little video with pictures of yourself at conventions and and then i immediately thought like wait did i 
did I run into this dude at Vegas one year or <laughs> New Jersey or, you know, any number of them? Yeah. Well, it all started with my mother. Uh, she sort of didn't give me a choice of whether I was a Star Trek fan or not. It was happening. Um, and that was that. Uh, I kind of grew up sort of like early on Voyager was sort of on. But the first series that I went like week to week was uh, on was Enterprise. And my mom would have these... Um, you know, it was before uh, watch parties. It was actually uh, uh, like a Star Trek party is what we what we called them. And so all of my friends would get over and we would all watch Star Trek Enterprise. And then my mom would write up a quiz of all the like, you know, background random information that only Star Trek fans would focus on. And whoever got the most, you know, answers right on the quiz would get a Star Trek prize. Uh, she would drag me and my friends off to uh, Star Trek conventions. You know, we went to like some of the bigger ones in Pasadena and stuff, but also like the smaller ones, just like in a random Sacramento Marriott basement or something like that. So I really got like, I really got like the ones that were like, it's just like you and a couple other people there, but it was yeah, fun, you know, we had a great, great time. Um, and, you know, it just sort of was part of the part of the family yeah. Uh, and in undergrad, I did a syndication vindication episode where I played Riker in an episode and sort of had to, I didn't, I couldn't quite grow a beard yet, so I had to like fill it in with makeup. <laughs> right. uh, and then in grad school, there weren't a lot of conventions in New York, but there was um, like the the premiere of like the second season of Next Gen on Blu-ray or something. And they rented out a oh, theater nice. and LeVar Burton was there yes. looking fabulous. Um, and then I graduated and then I was at dinner with my dad and my cousin and Mary sat down next to me and was like, Hey, I booked Star Trek. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Uh, I guess this is different now. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's just like, it's, it was, uh, it was just sort of like your kind of classic Star Trek fan uh, experience, you know? Yeah, because that happens all the time. They just they they wind up working on Star Trek, and sure. uh, yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah, you know, people have asked me like, "Well, how do you like get on the show?" And I'm just like, "Marry up, you know, marry." Yeah, see, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, we want to welcome Alan to the show. Alan, uh, calling us as he does from the lower decks. Welcome, Alan. How are you doing tonight? I, I'm doing great. Uh, John, Holly, Noah, it's nice to meet you too. Uh, the the party down here has transitioned to the season three rap party, so everything's going really well. <laughs> That's awesome. Good, good. What's on your mind tonight, Alan? Oh well, um, I I guess uh, just just really really excited that we've gotten a, a great season of Star Trek and uh, yeah, a lot of really uh, really fun moments over the course of the episodes um, and. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit briefly about um, the reunion with, uh, first of all, uh, I was right there. I was so big. Cronenberg was there. Yeah, yeah. right. Right. I was, the, mm -hmm. and, and I, was, I was on, I got so excited. I was on the edge of my couch going, say it, say it. Yep. I, 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 I thought there was going to be a reveal. Yeah, I thought there was going to be a reveal at that moment. Oh. <laughs> Oh, well. You so guys, decided. David Cronenberg does not have time to be the president of the Federation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wait, wait. David Cronenberg can do anything. He, he can. I, That's why he's not going to be the president of the Federation. He's got stuff to do. He's not like me sitting in a random basement in Toronto. Be like, yeah, I'll be the president, whatever. He's like, I've got movies to make. i got people to kill. What do you mean? He can show up. It's fine. Yeah. But um, on a more serious note, I, I think the most uh, impactful moment this week was the reunion with Hugh and Adira and shock of shocks, Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, First yeah that, all, was a, that was a wonderful scene. Yeah. Um, and I did not see that coming. Like, no. had the holodeck <laughs> recognize him. Um, and there's so many people that are like, how? And I'm like, listen, we don't even know really how the holodeck works. So let's just right. be on that. Uh, but that scene was lovely. The music that they chose, which is obviously the music that we've heard emanating from 
um, the Nebula lovely choice, but I loved the way that Gray's facial expression changed because you oh, could yeah. see all the emotions that he was going through up to the point where he is hugging Hugh. Yeah, shout out to, to Ian Alexander. That was a tremendous moment and just just played perfectly. Um, by the way, maybe, by the, maybe we can see him with a hollow emitter. Just put yeah, a mobile hollow yes, emitter on it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, we're now, what, like 200? I'm trying to do the math. 200 years past when they got the the emitter from the doctor, for the doctor uh, original? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it exists. Like it's by, yeah, by the way, my, my note on Gray was uh, uh, Gray is adorable as a Vulcan, like child Spock in yesteryear. That was <laughs> that, that look. I just thought like, oh, that's so perfect. Oh, and, and by the way, uh, Rand in the chat says, uh, don't impeach President Cronenberg yet. So uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was, I was personally very happy to see Ian with those pointy ears on. Uh, yeah. He's always he's looking very, very good. I think I think Ian would wear those ears and does wear those ears just out and about. Like, ready I, to go. And should, and should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Alan, I got time for one more comment. We got a, a, a few more people oh, standing yeah. by, a full house. Yeah, tonight, I know so, it's, uh, I know it's a, a busy show. So, um, yeah. you know, since we've got Noah here, um, mm-hmm. I read recently that you have led some of our crew members on a different kind of adventure. Uh, through the world of Dungeons and or Dragons. That's where and, that's where Ian is wearing the pointy ears. Every time go. we've got him on. <laughs> yes. And uh, as someone who considers D&D their midlife crisis, um, I, just, uh, I, I, I hope everything's going well. I, if there's I, one question that I could ask about it is um, what is something that you've learned about one of your cast members playing D and D that you otherwise might not have learned, you know, if it's not personal or anything. Ooh, no, um, that's, that's such a good question. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I've I only had met Blue one time uh, in person uh, at like a, a party, and you know, Blue was sort of finding their footing. Uh, and like, you know, we just sort of met briefly and I've never met Ian in person, although I feel like I know them very well. So, so on just like a base level, like getting to know Ian and blue has been so incredible and so much fun. And I'm just sort of like, just in awe of both of them. I, I really think like they I just I just don't think people realize yet and will come to realize how lucky Star Trek is to have both of them, both their ability to kind of connect and bring in younger viewers who are maybe coming to Star Trek for the first time. I think a lot of people's um, a lot of people's favorite characters when they're, you know, in 10, 20 years or whatever, when they're going to say, like, who did you connect with in Star Trek? What 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 brought you into Star Trek? It's going to be Blue and it's going to be Ian. And also, mm-hmm. I really think more so than almost anybody I've ever met, like, they really embody and live kind of Star Trek ideals in, like, a really, really re- real and inspiring and moving way. And I'm just, like, so proud to get to know them and excited by them and also to kind of have them be partnered both of them be partnered with Wilson and Anthony these two like living legends it's just I I, it's just incredible I just don't think there's anything like it in any other kind of culture medium right now so I'm just that's not really D&D related, uh, but <laughs> but I'm really excited by hey, it. Okay. Um, in cool. terms of D&D, you know, Emily Coots is in the party as well. And I think what I'm definitely learning about Emily is like, she's really impulsive. Like, she'll just do it. Like, there's like a clear trap, you know, it's like, hey, jump into this puddle of black water that like, oh. you know, shines <laughs> a dark light as like you hear a growl. And Emily's like, I jump in, I jump in, I'm jumping in, I jump in. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, no, no. So uh, yeah, definitely learning about Emily's impulse control in that game, oh, yeah. <laughs> among other things, among other things. Nice. I very briefly ran a game uh, with my family uh, one time, I think over like an Easter holiday. And that's and, why you guys don't talk anymore. No, of course. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was like, okay, 
mom, I know you're playing the rogue, but you don't have to try to rob everything. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, yeah. I get that. I get that. Your mom is really acting out uh, all of the trauma that you caused her. She's just giving it right back to you. So Only child, that's what we get. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that all too well. So, but yeah, um, hope, well, you know, they've, they've done uh, Game of Thrones games. They've done... Uh, Stranger Things games. Hopefully, we get to see a Star Trek game. We are, uh, we are. Uh, hopefully, uh, we are kind of in early talks about trying to get like a charity uh, stream, maybe a one-shot charity game going. So stay posted. It's <laughs> you know the wheels are turning very, very slowly, cool. but uh, hopefully that will that will happen and be a lot of fun. That is fantastic. Awesome. Well, hey. best of luck and have a good 2021, everybody. Thank you, Alan. Take care. So nice to see you this week. Uh, by the way, Carlos in the chat says, wait, Tasha Yard jumped in a black puddle. Yeah, I was, that's exactly so, what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, don't jump into Armas, Somebody, man. Somebody please point that out to Emily. The skin of evil. I'm going to put another one in there just for her. Yeah, there you go. I hey, jump, let's jump in. I jump in. <laughs> let's go over to Paul here real quick, who is standing by. Paul, Paul 1, Paul Prime. How are you doing tonight? Hey, great, guys. Uh, great to meet you, Noah. Holly, what are you drinking tonight? You got the gin going or water? <laughs> I have nothing. I oh, me not, too. I don't oh. get a drink. I don't oh. have a drink. That's code for she finished it before we started. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, we we know that we know her code. <laughs> Dad said she played basketball. Yeah, right. Yes, I did. I was a varsity basketball player. That's yeah. not a lie. I lettered. I have a letterman jacket. Oh. Yeah. Okay. She can I need still video. dunk. She I can need still dunk. <laughs> so uh, Noah, I just wondered um, when Barry came home. Uh, could you tell a difference when she did a Tilly versus Achilles scene day? How was yeah, those? She kept, how, how were those days? She, she kept bringing home uh, wooden katanas to practice like the sword fighting and stuff. Mm. So we have like four wooden katanas in the house. She'd come home and be swinging this thing around. I'd be like oh, ducking man. and like you know be knocking stuff over. And the Tilly days, it was like yeah, you know, another day at work. And then for the Achilles days, it was like I needed to like go into a separate room so she wouldn't you know slice my head off with one of the. I think we have like six wooden katanas in the house now from all of her killing time. So yeah, I wow. definitely, I definitely made sure to, uh, to be extra careful on the killing days. You answered that question so perfectly. I don't need it. Otherwise. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, so there was a Kobayashi Maru reference, right? There was. Oh yeah. Big time. Gotta, mm-hmm. gotta touch on that. And I'll be quick here. Um, the, all the, the size of the ship is driving all the modelers crazy because, you know, that when you're riding the elevator and it just keeps going and going, is that going horizontal yeah. or vertical? And right. yeah, it's, it's, it's like three miles long. But I have a headcanon for that, that a lot of people are like, how big is this ship? Yeah, but Do you're you- 410. Well, everything is big to me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But there's there's an episode of Enterprise where this technology exists, where it's, well, it was literally inspired by the TARDIS from Doctor Who. uh, It was Future Tense. That's the episode. And, like, it's bigger on the inside. Like, that technology, and that was a a hundred years before where we are now. And so the technology for having something big on the inside, like a TARDIS, exists already. That's my headcanon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's space. Yeah. Space. But that doesn't. That, that doesn't <laughs> help the modelers. Though. Yeah, that doesn't right. help the modelers though. They're still going to have to model it. Uh, we, if they don't get it right, I'm going to yell at them. <laughs> <laughs> We're used to it. Trust me, if you build models, you get yelled at a lot. Oh, that's not right. Okay. One last thing: you can obviously breathe in programmable matter and fire a gun through it, and I will leave it there. No, it's great meeting you. Holly and John, as always, great to see you guys. Take care, Paul. Pleasure as I, always. Thank you, Paul. I think that the programmable matter had it out for Osira just like I did and, and did me a solid. I, I took that as a personal help. Did out. me a solid. That's <laughs> oh, the guy is right? perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did love that little effect of uh, Michael coming out and like coughing up, Fitting out the, the like uh, chips, like yeah, chips. And I, I'm sorry, I just immediately thought of Annie Ross and uh, Superman three, which I think I'll just go home and watch again tonight because why not? When I can get Richard Pryor, Robert Vaughn, and Annie Ross together again on screen. Um, hey, see let's you again, guys. see you, Paul. Take care. Let's uh, let's say hi to Ashley. I believe a first time caller with us. Ashley, how's it going? Hey, good, thanks. How are y'all? Excellent. Pleasure to meet you. You as well. Thank you. And uh, what is on your mind tonight? Well, a a couple of things. Um, 
Uh, forgive me if this has already been touched on, but uh, so I really want to know who is the real Cleveland Booker? I want to know that too. That's in my notes. In all <laughs> that is in your who notes. is Cleveland Booker? I want to know is in my notes. <laughs> so, yes. so uh, uh, I I was writing about um, this past week's episode, and and so my one of my questions is this like a Dread Pirate Robert situation um, from the Princess Bride? Like, are, is there a line of Cleveland Bookers, or um, did Book take on his name to honor him? What's what's that situation? I mean, he did say that he tries to live up to the name, so I'm assuming, like, yeah, that's that Cleveland Booker is the name of his mentor or whatever. And I'm sure that that was 100% a setup. Like, I'm sure that we're going to find out in next season. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I would hope so, yeah. That, I mean, that's definitely one of well, those... Well, if they're going to tease it... Well, we'll see, that, that's the thing, exactly, because, uh, Holly, you referenced how Star Trek does have this short-term memory problem very often, but if this is one of those things that can carry on, they actually get a little payoff in the next season, I would be very happy with that, because, um, yeah, I, I think Book is a wonderful character, and, and we should have more. So, I agree. We need more cat daddies. <laughs> but apparently not more grudge because uh, according to noah that's just a whole uh, whole situation you know i, yeah, I, I love uh, grudge <laughs> grudge is great it's the cat actor that i have the that's with. see yeah yeah get, yeah, yeah. Mm. i i think i remember reading that um Brent Spiner had similar issues with um, Spot on Next Gen. How? Which Spot? There were so many Spots. There were many, yeah. There were many. There was like four or five of them. Oh, wow. Okay. There's there's two grudges. You know what? There there was a picture out there of of David holding these two grudges. When Mm -hmm. I worked with that cat, I was on set for like 16 hours. Oh, I saw you tweet him. You were like, I I was furious. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean there are two grudges? I was holding one cat for 12 hours, screaming in its face, (laughs) clawing it on my leather jacket. You're telling me there was like, there was another one that they were just keeping somewhere from? I couldn't believe it. I was. It was a backup and that cat is probably a lot more demure. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Like I, I could totally picture that, you know, based on your level on the call sheet. It's like they bring out the angry cat to you, but then as yeah. soon as the star walks on set, it's like, oh, here, you get yeah. the nice, docile. But that's how you, no, that's how you get the good reactions from Rin, though. Like, his yeah, reactions to this cat true. jumping on him was fantastic, and if they would have had the well, docile first, cat. Well, first off, that cat didn't jump on me. Somebody threw it on me because it wouldn't get near me. <laughs> <laughs> Second off, in that scene, the cat was supposed to like lick my face and comfort me while I'm all scared. And I think like one shot in, I turned to Jonathan. I was like, Jonathan, like this cat hates my guts. There's no way this is happening. <laughs> Can I just like chuck it and like, you know, point out where to shoot? He's like, yeah, great. So like, you know, I'm like holding this cat and as opposed to like being like, oh, I'm safe with you. It's just kind of like, yep, uh, let's move on. So all right. <laughs> Uh, Ashley, any other uh, comments or thoughts tonight? Yeah. Um, so um, it, it's implied that Saru is returning. Is he still going to be captain of Discovery, or is he going to take over another ship? Or no, uh, I mean, he's obviously question, right? given up the command of the Discovery, and now Michael is is. I would assume that he would be. be be back. I mean, why wouldn't he come back to Starfleet after Sukal is sort of okay on the planet? I mean, because essentially this, he, Sukal is like a child. Like, he's never been mm-hmm. out. Um, so I'm I'm sure that we're going to see Saru again. I'm sure that he is going to be back in Starfleet at some point. And I would love to see him command another ship. Yeah. I, but I, 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 think- I think that making Burnham um, captain now was great but it's also a really nice callback to when cisco became captain because cisco does not become captain until third mm. season of deep space nine and a lot of people forget that mm. um so oh, i was anybody, thinking about that this week actually um that was very similar yeah anybody that is like you know the lee character should be should be a uh, captain already i'm like no cisco wasn't why calm down <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And, and I do hope that we get more uh, Saru. I was about to say Cisco. Uh, Saru, just because they did such a good job developing him. There was so much growth over those first two seasons. And and he really stepped into the captaincy with this um, 
Well, I described it on another show, like like this uh, calm and gentle wisdom that was really nice to see uh, coming from the the top of the command. So I do hope we get more. Burnham is very interesting. Burnham has had a lot of bumping heads with her superiors in the last three seasons and a lot of uh, being unconventional, which if we think back to other famous starship captains, there is a lot of bumping heads and making unconventional decisions. So that'll be kind of cool too. But I I think we need Saru there to kind of temper uh, a lot of that. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I think if you were going to put it in... um in leadership terminology, Saru really embodies um, like a type of servant leadership where uh, he leads mm-hmm. with humility and not bravado. And yes. I, I, I think that is something that is desperately needed in everywhere. Very, very well said. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. And uh, for that matter, I hope we're not completely done with Sukal because I, I thought that was a character, again, if we had introduced a little earlier in the season, there was such uh, vulnerability there and just such an interesting psychology at play. You know, clearly we got to where we needed to to kind of wrap it up here, but um, I- I'm concerned about him. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to make sure he's yeah. okay. I agree, and I'd like yeah. to see more of Kaminara because what we yes. see, that, that short sequence at the end is like, they've obviously Beautiful. advanced like crazy, yeah. and I, I would like to see more of that planet yeah. as it is now. Absolutely. Uh, Ashley, a pleasure to have you on the show. Please call back again. We'll see you okay. next time. Okay. Nice to meet you all. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. And uh, let's see here. Jumping over to Patrick. Oh, wait a minute. Does Patrick have a cat? Patrick there? has a kitty. <laughs> I believe so. It's a space cat. Oh, space it's chewing. Cat. It's chewing on his wires. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, she t- yeah, she tends to do that when I whenever I'm doing this, whenever I... On a Zoom thing, she'll jump. She'll try to grab it, whatever I have. Pay attention to me. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick, how are you doing tonight? Good. Oh, and she has a Star Trek name too, Nerese. So, oh Oh, no way! That's awesome. That's so cool. Wow, look at that face. What uh, What is on your mind tonight, Patrick? Well, well, overall, it's about the finale. I enjoyed it a lot. And like talking about, I heard the talking a moment ago about Saru. I've heard. Speculation that well, well, we, well, we, well, I mean, we do know that Doug Jones will be back next season. I've heard people guessing that yeah. maybe he'll get into like some sort of 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 um of um, um uh, ambassadorial type role because we did because ah. we did see him, you know, like doing some kind of diplomatic stuff throughout the seasons, right? Yeah, right. So. which he I, would I be good at. Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that yeah. was very and um. I also, also, I know I'm not the only one on this. I was very happy to see um, well Zara and Osira go. <laughs> uh, so, you were I, okay. You know, yeah, especially well, especially well, spe- well, especially you knew that you knew that as soon as as soon as um, Zara threatened Grudge, you knew yeah he's a goner now. Yeah, because because you yeah, don't, right. You don't threaten a cat person's cat. Yeah, you know that gives him an extra burst. Do <laughs> 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 what needs to be done. Uh, I, Jake yeah. Weber as Zare is fantastic. And I wonder, Noah, because you had some scenes with him, yes? Yeah, Jake was yeah. amazing. Jake, uh, he's he's one of these actors who, when they're working, you're really jealous of them. You're like, you're allowed to do that? Like, and he just, like, really, it's just, like, so cool, took his time. There's a ton of stuff. Like, getting actually to see him on set was amazing. There was this ton of stuff that they wound up cutting out because I think it was too weird. Um, mm. But he uh, he uh, basically, um, like, you know, he had this, like, ice-frozen hand, and he spent, like, a half an hour doing takes where he would just, like, get in Mary's face and just, like, scream and, like, wave his hand at her. And it was, like, totally weird and gross and, like, really scary. Um, so it was just amazing to get to work with him and see him work. And he's also just, like, a really, really nice guy, which you don't expect for weirdos on set like that. Usually, like, the weirdo on set, you're like, don't talk to him, stay away, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, right, creepy right. or whatever. But he was, yeah. all he was like, very, very nice. But I was very happy when... Um, David sort of fox kicked him out of that turbo lift and he died. I was I was very <laughs> pleased with that. 
Well, yeah, he, I was he, on my he, feet cheering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he plays the bad guy perfectly. And his presence, I, I kept thinking, like, this is the kind of villain that's right out of an old West movie. You know, I, I kept, I, I looked him up because I had not watched Medium, and I know that he's well known from that. Uh, but I kept thinking, oh, come on, surely he's turned up in like Hell on Wheels or something like that because he's so. Um, yeah, he's just wonderfully menacing and and so completely grounded. Um, but yeah, he he was awesome and brought the weird. You could tell that in the scenes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, we have one more caller to get to. Patrick, do you have any uh, final thoughts for us tonight before we get to our last caller? I'm looking forward to next season, of course, as I'm sure we all are. Um, I did like. Um, oh yeah. As a big, as you know, being the huge Voyager fan that I am, I was happy to hear s- several call-outs to the new Voyager throughout the episode as well. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Patrick, thank you for joining us tonight, and I uh, hope you'll come back and see us again, okay? Yep, def- yeah, de- yeah, definitely plan it out next time I have a Monday night off at work. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, take care, Patrick. Have All a good right. one. Bye-bye. And uh, hey, it, it is eight o'clock. If I can ask everybody to stick around for just like a minute longer, so happy to welcome to the show uh, Andy Farber. Andy, have you I'm been? Good to see you. They don't let me out of this room very much, you know. Uh, well, that's for really public safety. So, um, <laughs> but I'm I'm glad you're well. Uh, how's it I going? I am well, thank you. Good. What what is on your mind tonight? You know, I've had one too many, so I don't even know anymore. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting. I did want to mention, uh, because you dropped Annie Ross's name. I knew her. Did you know that? No, no, I had no idea. Oh, wow. She was a singer, and and there's another Star Trek connection in here. But she was a jazz singer in a group for many years Mm -hmm. called Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. And they're amazing. And I worked with John Hendricks for many years. (gasps) Whoa. Um, But originally, it was... Uh, Lambert, Hendricks, Ross, and Brown. The Brown being Georgia Brown, who played Worf's Russian mother on Next Generation. She's Rojenko, right. Yeah. right. Wow. So she was a jazz singer, and Annie was her flatmate in New York and, and said, you know, yeah. Georgia, you're really not making it. You ought to quit the band. Try to make her quit. And finally, she did. And years later, because John and, and, and Dave, Dave died in 67, a car wreck, but John... Yeah lived into his 90s and asked her years later, you know, why did you get rid of Georgia? She was great. She went on to be an Oliver, you know, and and on the, in the West end and on Broadway. And she was this great star of musical theater. And, and Annie said, I wanted to be the only girl. So she talked her out of it. Wow. Wow. Talked her into getting Tony awards, of course. You're right. That's I look Lambert Hendricks and Ross. It was one of the great, uh, and short-lived, but just one of the great jazz vocal bands of all time. Absolutely love them. And, and Annie Ross, super talented in her own right. Uh, but it, it took me a while to even make that connection. Like, oh, my God, that, that's the same person from Superman 3 who becomes part of the computer. And, right. you know. And throw Mama from the train is and another throw Mama from the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shortcuts, and, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she just died earlier this year, back, uh, did, back yes. in the summer. She yeah. wasn't well. Yeah, yeah. But um, cool. Well, and, and the other weird connection is the very first film that I scored was mm-hmm. was called The Warrior Class. This is maybe fifteen years ago, and it starred Anson Mount. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Right on. Yes, and uh, Weber's in it also. Uh, oh, really, Jake? Jake. Of course, Jake, Jake, Jake and, and, yeah, and yeah. he plays surprise, surprise. Uh, a bad guy. <laughs> that is awesome. And I steal a lot of Star Trek music, and even even though it has nothing to do with that, right? It's yeah. a cue from uh, James Horner thing that I actually stole at the end of that film. Um, hey, look! If James Horner can steal from himself, then you can steal from James Horner. So yeah, I, well, I think that's fair. Least, really, you know, I appropriated yeah, it. Yeah, it's an homage. Uh, that's the yeah, quote yeah. loci I have appropriate. I it was <laughs> right. <laughs> well, a- Andy, because uh, we, we do have to wrap yeah. up the show. Do you have any thoughts about the music of Star <coughs> Trek Discovery? Well, it gets buried quite a bit. Maybe it's best mm. if I don't go into the the, the okay it's getting better. Okay, uh, with motivic development and all that. But it's not fair for me to judge a composer 
on television or film today because most of these things are now micromanaged by uh, in, in television producers and in features, mostly directors. Unless the, the, the other thing that work for uh, hire in this case, then it's a producer. So. This season, all that uh, most of the music was all done remotely because of COVID, so it yeah. kind of was true, all stitched right. together. Yeah, well, that's uh, true. Um, yeah, Russo. I did TV shows like that years ago. One year, I was working on two shows: the American version of Life on Mars, which was on ABC, and another show called Dirty Sexy Money. Also on ABC. They both last a year, and we decided that ABC stands for already been canceled. <laughs> yes. And we were recording these things remotely because I would get mock-ups from of like a rhythm show. Life on Mars was supposed to sound like a 70s cop show. And the composer would send me uh, his tracks that he mocked up, but it wouldn't have any horn or woodwind or string parts on it. Uh-huh. So I would open that file directly in a Sibelius and write the parts and then email the PDFs to a trumpet player in his home studio and a trombone player in his home studio. And I would play like the flute and the clarinet or something like that. And we would just send all those tracks to one of the production guys that would mix it all together just because of the time and, you know, other things like that. But that's what they're doing now because of the yeah. pandemic, you know. Andy, yeah. did we cross paths at Juilliard at all? I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the lobby or something like well, that. I would, always, <laughs> I would always sneak down, you know, to the jazz section because we're on the same floor. Oh, 340, uh, yeah. Oh, I would yeah. sometimes conduct the Juilliard Jazz Orchestra. Uh, what years were you at the yard? I started in uh, 11 and graduated in 2015. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm doing maths. Um, <laughs> Not what we do here. My first year was yeah. 2010 there, so, uh, so I was yeah, probably on the scene then quite a bit too. Well, it was it was already in shambles when I got there, and it's definitely downhill ever since I left. So <laughs> that that would make sense. <laughs> Are you related to? You probably get this all the time. Hi, Averback. I'm Averback? not. You know, it's a different spelling of the last name. Oh, okay. There's only so you've like, checked, you know who it is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, there's so few Averbacks with our weird spelling with the, with the V instead of the U that whenever anybody's even close, I have to double check. Okay. Um, but I think eventually I'm just going to go ahead and take Wiseman as my last name. That's probably the smartest. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's it's not spelled in the, uh, the Averback way. It's the very basic spelling of Wiseman. Uh, very New Testament spelling. Oh, crazy. <laughs> the Goyish spelling. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, Andy, we got to pack yeah. it up for the night. Thank you so much for uh, for calling in. It's a pleasure to see you. It's only been uh, over a year at this point, I think. So. More than that, because we didn't make yeah. the last few conventions. So we'll exactly. do it again yeah. when uh, we get to the future. When we're safe. I, I like that idea. All right, well, take care. I don't think uh, Yogi Berra ever said this, but... <laughs> The future ain't what it used to be. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Cheers, Andy. Take care. Have a great night. And um, hey, Noah, this has been a blast. And uh, I guess we'll have to do it again. Um, yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm not doing anything. So call me up whenever and I'll hop on and tell the same story over and over and over again. Uh, Great. To do Guess who just got a job on Mission Log. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, really, we, we thank you so much and um, have a great time in Toronto being uh, supportive while, uh, <laughs> while everybody shoots the next season. Yeah, that's what we call lounging on the couch, watching TV all day, supportive. Pretty okay. much. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, oh, hey, do, do we want to tell people how to follow you on on, uh, Twitter or oh, yeah, anything you know, else they should know about? Head over to uh, to, to Twitter.com, the newly scrubbed Twitter.com. <laughs> You're still there. You made you made the cut. You're okay. I, yeah, I lost yeah. a lot of followers. I'm not sure what that's yeah. about. Kidding. That's a joke. I don't have really any followers. So I couldn't lose any, so it's okay. Uh, but you can follow me at N underscore A underscore K. Uh, I'll probably, you know, nothing interesting is ever really going to happen for me again after I've done this. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know why you would follow me, but eventually, hopefully, if we'll do this um, D&D stream or other behind-the-scenes photos that I can steal off Mary's phone, I'll throw it all up there. Good call. All right. Well, thanks so much. And with that, 
Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log by the incredible Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.